Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. May is Jewish American Heritage Month, which celebrates Jewish heritage and recognizes the history of Jewish contributions to American culture, from business people to musicians to Supreme Court justices to politicians to civic leaders. My guest is Sarah Van Loon. She's Chicago Regional Director for the American Jewish Committee, also known as AJC. For everything about the committee, go to AJC.org, and you can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ira. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, it's a delight. Many of our people may not know, many of our audience may not know, what is the American Jewish Committee? So let's start with that. I love that question. So American Jewish Committee, or AJC, we are the global advocacy organization for the Jewish people. We tackle some of the world's most toughest problems, both here in America and across the world. So as you mentioned, I'm the Chicago Regional Director, and I'm one of 25 regions across the United States. We have 15 offices overseas and more partnerships with Jewish communities around the world, which really helps power AJC's global advocacy work. So right now we're combating anti-Semitism, we're, we're going against all types of not just Jew hate, but hate against any people, any minority, and also working to promote democratic values and human rights for all. Because we understand when the world is a safer place for minorities, it's a safer place for all people. And your role specifically is designed to do what? Now that we understand about the committee a little bit, and we, you talked a little bit about your role, in, but give us a little bit more specifically about what you do. Yeah. So here in the regions, we're really tailored to respond to what's happening on the ground. So in Chicago, we're really fortunate to have a robust group of a diplomatic corps. So we've got representatives and consuls generals from over 60 countries based in Chicago, and we hold regular diplomatic advocacy meetings with them. So that looks like talking about bilateral issues between the U.S. and, say, India or, or whichever right. country we're meeting with that day, where we're also raising issues about anti-Semitism or perhaps how Israel is being treated at the UN. So every day is a little bit different, or certainly every meeting is. And in addition to that, we do a lot of interfaith and intergroup dialogue because we work to build strong, not just bridges, but coalitions with those of other faiths and ethnic communities. So here in Chicago, we've got really strong partnerships with the Latino community, with the Greek community, with so many others. My, my colleagues work so hard every day, as do our volunteers. And I think that's also what makes our work here in Chicago so unique. We have a huge volunteer base of folks who are actively engaged in this advocacy work with us. So whether it's legislative advocacy at the local, state, or federal level, or joining me on trainings that we do for elected officials and community groups to understand what is contemporary anti-Semitism today and what can all people do to be good citizens and, and to look out for their neighbors? So, so how, do you look, how do you look so optimistic and stay so optimistic when you see the rise of anti-Semitism, not only around the world, but in the United States? Because you seem to be a very happy person. <laughs> Thank you. I, I do focus definitely on the Jewish joy aspect of what we do. And um, it's one of the reasons that brought me back to EJC, because I know I get to come to work every day and do something about those issues. So, yes. Dealing with anti-Semitism all day, every day is exhausting, and right. it can definitely be demoralizing. 
But then I see wins, like one of our high school students telling us that because they participated in one of our leadership development programs, that he felt comfortable speaking out when there was an incident at school or when someone was saying something anti-Semitic, he felt like he actually knew what to say in a non-confrontational way Mm -hmm. to let the person know that what they were saying was, was hurtful, whether they knew it or not. And like that, that fills me with so much joy because look at that young person who now knows that they have a voice for themselves and they know how to use it. So for me, I really try and find those, those glimmers of joy because otherwise it's, it's far too easy to be cynical and to feel like, Oh my gosh, we're, we're just rolling this, you know, Sisyphean rock up the hill. <laughs> what kind of difference are we going to make for, you know, one of the world's oldest hatreds? But, you know, frankly, we're making a difference, and that feels really good. Don't you find it's interesting? I've talked about this with other guests over the years. Anti-Semitism never seems to have a very specific hate. It's almost a universal hate, whether you're from the right, the left, whatever ethnic group you are, whatever nation you are. I mean, there's countries that have one Jew in them, and yet there seems to be that hatred. And it's so fascinating. I don't know if they've ever done any studies as to what causes that, but Maybe you would probably have more access to that than I would. Yeah. So AJC, we put on studies every year specifically looking at um, the state of anti-Semitism in America. And so we query both non-Jews, like the general U.S. public, as well as Jewish Americans to understand their perceptions and experiences. But a number of other Jewish groups also do surveys that I think to the, you know, um, uninitiated, so to speak. So folks who, you know, don't live and breathe in the world of anti-Semitism like I do, they may look like we're all just a bunch of, do, you know, Jewish groups doing a bunch of different Jewish surveys, but they each inform different aspects of, just as you described, this kind of larger hate, where it comes from, from, from where, from what sources. So we're able to utilize all this data to get that picture. And you're exactly right. We see anti-Semitism coming from the far left, from the far right, and with religious extremists. But also the way that anti-Semitism is different from other forms of hate, say racism or or homophobia, anti-Semitism is also a conspiracy theory. It's a some type of, it's not just Jew hatred on its own, but it's this, this conspiracy theory that there's somehow this nefarious I don't know, puppeteer in the background, controlling all the world's things. So you don't exactly see that with other forms of hate. And that's one of the ways that makes it so insidious. You also see it with punching up, you know, oh, people think that Jews are really privileged and we're all fine. Yeah, well, 75 years after over one third of the Jewish community was murdered in the Holocaust, like, nope, not not quite yet. The contributions to American culture of Jewish Americans is amazing. And yet, just to again, to the topic of anti-Semitism, you could point all these contributions out to someone who's an anti-Semite, and it doesn't seem to matter. It could be some scientific invention or medical innovation that saves their lives, but they just, it doesn't, they can't get past that point that it was done by someone who's Jewish. It's fascinating. I mean, just the psychology of it is always fascinating. Yeah, I mean, just the hatred that some folks will will hold on to is shocking. And Going back to that joy aspect at the same time, you know, it's certainly anecdotal, but I've, you know, seen folks who are reformed neo-Nazis who come out and were able to show how, you know, they've transformed from their own ignorance. So I don't think all is lost out there. 
Uh, but to your point, yeah, especially during Jewish American Heritage Month, there is so much to celebrate and, and there's so much to dive into with Jewish history and Jewish culture. And it's one of the things that I'm, I'm so happy to be doing during this month of May that to spend a little bit of extra focus on Jewish joy and not just have to talk about anti-Semitism all the time. So no, it's, no, that, a, it's a great good. month. Tell us a couple of things that you've learned over the years regarding the contributions of Jews to American society. So I think one of the things that stands out to me is the the multifaceted ways in which Jews have contributed. You know, there's there's not just one industry or one area. You find Jewish American contributions to all aspects of American life whether it's culinary or in the film industry or in the law or or you name it, there's Jewish individuals who've been a part of making history and doing something incredible. I mean, just look at Ruth Bader Ginsburg. What an inspiring figure, a immense contribution to the world of American jurisprudence. And yet, you know, here she is, one of one of, a member of our tribe, so to speak. And it's just, it's just incredible. And we also share this month with Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month as well. So it's also it's a great month for those um, Asian American Jews who are able to celebrate both of their heritages this month, because as you and your listeners may know, I mean, the diversity within the Jewish people is also immense. There's not one type of Jew. There's not one way in which a Jew looks. We're super diverse both here in America and all around the world. Well, I think that's a common misconception is people think that they look at it as, as Jews as a race, and yet at the same time, it's also a religion. So you can have a, a person who is in India, an Indian citizen who is Jewish, or you can have a Russian citizen who is Jewish, or you can have a Japanese citizen who is Jewish. Although there's not a lot of Jews in Japan, but the point is, it's a multi-level approach, let us say, by people who are Jewish. It can be your identity is connected in a lot of different ways. It's not just religion, it's not just race, it's not just community, it's ideas and connections. Exactly, exactly. And and I think that's one of the things that makes the, the Jewish people so special, at least to me personally, is that there's so there's such diversity within the Jewish community all around the world. And it's exactly to your point, Jews are not just an ethnicity, we're not just you know a, a religion, because there are certainly many atheist Jews, there are certainly you know, many other Jews who engage religiously and, and those that don't. Some people call us a tribe. Some people call us a family because there's ways to be adopted into the family, so to speak, like I am. So I'm a Jew by choice. My husband is ethnically Jewish. And so it's just one of the ways that make our peoplehood so special and unique. And everyone's diversity also contributes to the kind of special melting pot, so to speak, of Jewish communal life. If it's not too personal, how did you decide or why did you decide to become a Jew? Yeah, so I did not grow up Jewish and it, it was actually a few well, years there are, ago. Well, there are Jews that don't grow up Jewish. So that's why I want to clarify you were not Jewish in any sense, exactly. including religion, that's right? Exactly, very, very true. We, okay. and, and a number of my friends, you know, really didn't grow up with much Jewish upbringing, so to speak. So you're exactly, exactly correct. So I grew up evangelical and it was kind of in college that I... I it, no longer fit, so to speak, is this kind of how it felt spiritually for me. But I knew that, you know, I was raised to be a woman of faith. And so for me, I kind of just kept searching. And professionally, I fell into the Jewish world. I, I started working at our local Jewish federation. And the more that I learned about the Jewish life cycle, the more that I learned about Jewish life and 
and everything with it, there was just something deep within me that that just felt right. Uh, so I started up a conversation with a local rabbi here. And seven years after my husband and I were married, I officially went through the conversion process and I loved it. I, I felt like such a nerd, quite frankly, because I loved everything that I was reading and learning and, and being able to participate in. And so that for me too is just another, another moment where I was able to point to myself and say, yes, this was right for me. This, this is where I belong. This is the tribe, so to speak, that I, I belong best in. And it's just been so personally meaningful and, and life giving. I mean, even just take Shabbat. So for, for the Jewish people, Shabbat starts at sundown on Friday and ends, um, sundown on Saturday. And traditionally, you know, there's no work and, and depending on your level of observance or not, there's lots of ways in which one could observe Shabbat. So for me, I've just enjoyed so much figuring out how am I going to observe and, and celebrate Shabbat? So for me, one way is, is just not working, right? I don't do email. I, I will turn off my notifications and have one day. 25 hours where I'm not working, where I'm, I'm not focusing on anything else. I can focus on my family and on things that I enjoy and giving back to my community. It's it's such a rich part of my weekly routine and tradition that once a week, I get to focus on those things uninterrupted. And that's, that's just a, a key value in Judaism is observing Shabbat. And so that's been such a, a really special gift in my life. Now, I think it's time, though, for you to do it 100%, not just turn off notifications, turn the phone off altogether, okay? <laughs> you know, I am a millennial. I am indeed addicted to this small metal box in my hand. But I, you know, my my rabbi during the conversion process, um, you know, because I, I didn't, you know, grow up not eating pork or not eating seafood or, excuse me, shellfish. Um, so they would tell us during the conversion process, okay, like everything is baby steps, you know, each day or each week, just try and add something new, see maybe if this would fit with your lifestyle or not. So, uh, so that would be my response. Not yet. Not yet. Will I be <laughs> turning off my phone on Shabbat? Yeah. Well, at least you got the, you're, you're halfway there. The notifications exactly. are off. So what is the most fascinating thing you found with your work, especially again, during American Jewish Heritage Month? What was the most surprising thing you found out about Jewish contributions to American life? So I think one of the most surprising things for me is just how much Jewish American pride runs so deep on a civic level. You know, I've always known that there were Jewish veterans and folks that have contributed to the very safety and security of, of our whole society, you know, serving in the military and all of that. But I did not know the extent to which Americans have served and really advanced America. And to see that that deep American pride, how they can hold simultaneously without question, both their, their Jewish pride and, and sense of belonging in the Jewish community, but also as an American and to really have deep pride and being willing to sacrifice their life for that, that to me was, was really moving. So like I, I learned just as we were getting ready for Jewish American Heritage Month, this was a, a new fact for me. There were more than 500,000 Jewish Americans who served in World War II. And I, I just, I had no sense that so many members of our Jewish American community were willing to make that sacrifice for their country, for our country. That was something that was really moving to me. And you see, even still today, so many Jewish Americans serving in the armed forces. And I, I just think that's really, really special. 
you seem to be a very positive person. So do you see with your outreach and your connections with other faiths and your meetings with, as you mentioned earlier, the diplomatic corps, the counselors, etc., do you see some hope in combating the rise, which clearly there has been, the rise in anti-Semitism from both the left and the right and in between Absolutely. and atop on bottom? I mean, it, it's constant. It definitely is constant. Sometimes I feel like I'm playing a game of whack-a-mole. But yes, (laughs) and I think it's exactly exactly those kinds of conversations, those relationships, those meetings. You know, it may seem so granular. It may seem like it's how can that really make a difference? But quite frankly, it is exactly on the personal level where this kind of fight makes a difference. AJC, because of how we're set up and how we're structured, I mean, we we are also combating it at the very highest levels of governments. And, and that's one of the reasons why we work to build relationship mm-hmm. with our consuls generals here locally. Many of them are committed to the foreign service. And so they will often go and serve higher levels within their government. So establishing important relationships here out in the regions is a critical part of our, our very much long-term game when it comes to combating anti-Semitism. We also work at the highest levels of government to create governmental action plans for how their nation is going to go about combating anti-Semitism. But for me personally, where I see a lot of success is exactly on those granular, those personal levels. And I'm I'm now proud and very nerdy to to share. (laughs) um, Our data backs that up too. So in AJC's recent survey on anti-Semitism in America, a report that came out from 2022, One of the things that we found, we added a few extra questions this year on the Holocaust because we wanted to understand folks' understanding and and knowledge of if they had a greater knowledge of the Holocaust, would they have a greater awareness of contemporary anti-Semitism or more likely to say that anti-Semitism has increased? And we found a correlation. If folks had more knowledge about the Holocaust, they were more likely to be able to recognize what anti-Semitism is today in the contemporary sense. That, um, That connection went even further. If they knew a Jewish person, their knowledge and awareness also was increased to yet another level. And so for me, when I I think of these smaller group meetings that we have, especially when we're meeting with folks outside of the Jewish community, I know that just the fact that they're meeting with a Jewish person, like even just that alone can make a difference because folks may not understand the impressions that they may have about a Jewish person. They may not realize what they thought. I mean, I I hear stories from my board members, um, one who uh, is a little bit older, but tells a story about when he went to college and his college roommate found out that he was Jewish. And he said, well, where are your horns? Because that was, (laughs) right, I know, like, we can laugh about it now. But for many people, like, that was a conspiracy theory that was an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that went around about Jewish people, that they were, quote, like the devil and thus had horns. And like, you know, nowadays we're like, are, are you kidding? Like that, that, that's wildly inaccurate. Like how crazy is that? <laughs> and yet, you know, folks don't may not realize that these are some of the, the thoughts that they hold. And so just having those person to person meetings makes a difference because then they're able to say, well, wait a second, I know a Jewish person and they're, they're not quite like that. Or, mm-hmm. hmm, I heard about this and I'm not sure if that's true, but this, this Jewish person I met with, I think I can ask them. Like they seemed really nice. So, you know, it may seem, it may seem small, but I'm certainly able to see the cumulative effort of all of those little interactions adding up. 
And quite frankly, I think it makes for a much stronger society because just as I'm helping to share about the Jewish community or, or you know, the dangerous effects of anti-Semitism, I'm also learning about them. So I'm able to learn more, say right. here in Chicago, about the Latino community and the vibrancy and and the diversity within the Latino community and and what are the issues that affect them and oh my gosh, wow, we share some of these issues in common. So okay, well let's advocate together. If we're both, you know, on the the negative end of this stick, so to speak, well then let's band together and do something about it. And I think that's why I'm so optimistic. Is yeah. Anti-Semitism is hard and it comes from so many different sources and every day there seems to be a fresh batch of it. Mm -hmm. And yet there are concrete, measurable things that folks can do to make a difference. AJC is helping to lead the way with that. It's interesting too, you mentioned about, for example, the Latino community. And again, you can be a Latino and be Jewish. Yeah, absolutely. So, We've got a number of folks who are engaged in our work who who are Latino Jews, and right. um, my colleague in in St. Louis, um, you know, she was born in Mexico and is a proud Latina Jew. And it's just, you know, again, the diversity of our our Jewish community is is beautiful and it's vast, and and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. Have you, because you grew up initially, well, we all grow up, but well, you, you grew up not as a Jew, but later on became a Jew, so you didn't encounter anti-Semitism as a kid or even as a teenager, but at the point where you then became Jewish, have you encountered personally any anti-Semitism meeting someone? And can you give us a little bit of that sense of what you felt when that happened? That's a really great question. So I've been super fortunate that I personally have not, at least yet, been directly targeted because of anti-Semitism. That being said, I've definitely seen a lot of anti-Semitism and and not just because this is my job and, and part of the work that I have to do. You know, I'm a human being on social media and that place is rife with anti-Semitism. And in fact, exactly to your point, because I didn't grow up Jewish, my family is not Jewish. And so I had to have a conversation with a relative of mine last year because they posted something anti-Semitic on social media. And so here I was, you know, I, I combat anti-Semitism for a living, right? And here I was having to call in my own family member. You know, um, I use the term call in because I didn't want to just, you know, blast them out on social media. Right, my relatives an anti-Semite because I know them. I know that, you know, if they realized what they were posting, they, you know, wouldn't say those things. So how, did, how did that go, though? You know, I'll, okay, so I'll, I'll be very honest. <laughs> Listeners, was I insist on only being honest vulnerable. on the show. <laughs> right. So like, I do this for a living. And still, my guy was shaking. My little thumbs were shaking as I was texting on my phone, my, my response to, you know, my relative. And I said to them, like, hey, you know, I, I know you. I know you're a really good person. I know you would never intentionally do this. But I wanted to let you know what, what you posted, you know, on your Instagram story was anti-Semitic and it, it was really hurtful. And like I said, I know you. I know you would never intentionally do this. So I wanted mm -hmm. to just let you know. And I, I want to see if you'll take your post down. Um, it was really hurtful. And I could not have received a better response from my family member. And I'm, I'm so honored and grateful that that was the, the reaction was such. So they were mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. So, I saw. So they didn't, get, they didn't get, they didn't get the, they didn't get defensive. They saw what, what you were saying or exactly. heard what you and were I, saying and they did. They, they, exactly. They and I, I like to think that one of the reasons why they didn't get defensive was because I didn't just go in or reply to that story and say, like, you are super anti-Semitic. This is so rude, like, mm. blah, blah, blah. No, and that just, would like, have gotten defensive. Quote, unquote, attack them. Yeah, that would have exactly. gotten defensive. So, yeah. And so I, I think, so that's 
how I tried to approach it of, you know, if someone was coming to me to say that something I posted was harmful, what, what kind of communication would I best receive? And so that's how I was mentally thinking about reaching out to my family member. You know, I didn't want to cause a fight. I did want to communicate that what they, what they posted was harmful. And I wanted to help educate them that what they posted was not just harmful, but it was anti-Semitic and, and why it was. So we were able to have this really long conversation in our DMs about it. And they, they took down the post. And so I'm really lucky, right? I, I had mm-hmm. a positive ending to that story. Not everybody is so lucky with that. You know, we've had synagogues in our neighborhood spray painted with swastikas or with other anti-Semitic graffiti. We've had preschools, preschools, Jewish preschools, one that was just by my house that had a bomb threat called in. And it's like, what, like, what can a Jewish preschooler, what kind of harm could they cause you? But like, that's kind of the broken mentality, so to speak, of an anti-Semite, right? They, they want to cause that that pain and that fear. And so for me, it's so important to stay optimistic, to stay positive, but also to take that important incremental action every day, mm-hmm. because there's no way I'm letting an anti-Semite win. Like, <laughs> absolutely so not. Are you going to have the family member over for Shabbat dinner? I would love to. They live out of state. They live in a different state. But if they come and visit me, oh my gosh, yes. And I'll take them hala and we'll, we'll, you know, I'll teach them some of my Jewish traditions and Oh my gosh, I would love that. What's the, I know this is a challenging question, but what's the most important contribution that Jews have made to America since it's again, American Jewish Heritage Month? So, you know, I don't think there's any singular contribution that, that one can point to and say, this one was the most important. You know, you, whether you think about the 23 adults and children that, that came to America in 1654, by the way, there's your fun Jewish American history fact. I was there at the time. I remember. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we, we've got 369 years of Jews in America being, being strong patriots. So I know this may not be the, the exact answer that you were looking for, but I think that for me is the most important contribution that Jews have never given up in America. And even though Jews have a homeland in Israel and, and many of us are committed to its security. And so there can always be a, a homeland for the Jewish people and a safeguard for the Jewish people. We're still super proud Americans. And, and that for me, that kind of singular contribution as a whole, our entire community dating back from the beginning, our commitment to this country and its ideals. That's something that I think is just so extraordinarily special. And before I let you go, do you have any advice or suggestions for how people can celebrate again the American Jewish Heritage Month? Yes. So I've got two things for them. One, post about it. Help celebrate. Go find your own fun Jewish fact of of the day, of the week, of the month, and post about it. Acknowledge that it's Jewish American Heritage Month and acknowledge the contributions of American Jews throughout history. You can post about it on your social media. You can go to ajc.org slash Jewish American Heritage Month to find not only fun facts, but there's a quiz there, which I I definitely learned a few things (laughs) on that quiz myself, I'll confess. And and so, you know, there's just really simple ways. If you've got a Jewish person in your life, you know, wish them a happy Jewish American Heritage Month. It's nice to be acknowledged. And the second thing, in addition to celebrating Jewish joy and focusing on the positive, another really important thing I want to leave your listeners with is 
educating them on anti-Semitism, because that's a really powerful way to help celebrate the accomplishments of Jewish Americans, is to ensure that the bigotry against us is lessened thanks to playing your small part in it. So you can also go to AJC.org and click on our call to action. So AJC.org forward slash call to action. And that details all sorts of different ways that members of society, whether you're an individual, if you work in a corporation, if you are an elected official, or all sorts of different things, educators, there are specific resources and tools tailored just for you to help educate you about anti-Semitism and importantly, what you can do about it. Because every single one of us, from the individual all the way up to the kind of meta level, so to speak, all of us can play a role in combating this kind of hate. And I can't think of a better way to end Jewish American Heritage Month than to doing one more thing to help combat that spread of hate. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Sarah Van Loon. She's Chicago Regional Director for the American Jewish Committee and also known as AJC. For everything about the committee, go to AJC.org and you can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And Sarah, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.